So for those listeners who don't know, um, Missy joined us on episode 17. And the feedback that we got from listeners, they really enjoyed the perspective uh, from a teacher yeah. on uh, some of the changes to the, the, the Ontario health curriculum. Uh, so we thought we'd bring her back to talk about some of the more recent controversies in education, if I could put it that way. Is it really even a controversy? Because I don't know who's who's really taken the side of, of the PC or like the, the current Ontario government in terms of saying this is a good idea. Well, I mean, there's, there's many things to be discussed um, that we'll get into later. Mm-hmm. Um, just as, as a, a callback to the last episode uh, on the health curriculum, sex ed curriculum, how is that going, like, in the classroom, by the way? Um, so, uh, EDFO, the uh, union representing elementary, or Toronto District School Board teachers... Just pull um, yourself right up. <laughs> filed a lawsuit. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess based on human rights, and uh, we won the lawsuit. So basically, we're being told now as professionals to continue teaching that health curriculum. Oh, the new one, yeah. like the new one that was in the prior government. Yes, but they also are making changes. Like um, they're changing some parts of it to. Uh, they're not taking anything away. They're just moving it to a later grade. So they're making adjustments to it, but everything in there is basically should be there. Okay, so like the new one was supposed to be teaching like fairly younger children in terms of what a penis is or you know the sexual organs right because i think that they're they're pretty like the parents of super conservative parents are all panicking because they're like mm-hmm. i don't need my kids to know what penis is when they're what like in grade three or as low as young as what grade i can't remember it was pretty young yeah i i don't well to be honest i don't know if that's um like i don't know exactly what grade it is mm-hmm. off the top of my head um, but I, like, my child's three, and I tell him that he has a penis. Like, I don't think that that's a yeah. problem. Like, I feel like like we need to teach, like, yeah. I think we talked about this last time, we need to teach our children these body parts so that they know what um, what boundaries are, what consent is. And it comes. It starts off at an early age. You can't just expect them to know it when they're older. And you need to build it in their repertoire of understanding at a very early age. It's surprising to me how things have changed or the perception has changed over the years. Because I remember like being in grade one and grade two and the teacher would be teaching like anatomy and the teacher's like, who can name some body parts? And you wanted to be that kid who yelled out penis <laughs> in front of everyone. And now like nobody wants to even teach their kids that word or, you know, in other words, other words. So it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I think there's certain groups that are more um, hesitant, but I, I guess because I am such a, you know, liberal person, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't understand. It's hard for me to speak from that point of view. So the state in which that's in, do we consider that a win for the the teachers and the, and the kids, or I don't think it's a teachers versus public thing. I think it's more of a ministry. Like I think uh, uh, with 21st century health or health or yeah, health and sex ed. It should be reflecting, um, you know, our current issues, and this is obviously what we care about, and so that I think it's a win for our, our, you know, for our society, our community. You mean we took the step forward and we're not taking a step back? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. No. That that's good. That's you know, that's closure to at least one topic that we've discussed. And yeah. That's something that we've we've got feedbacks on in the past that we've never closed off segments well so it's good to know that the good fight you know is being won by by the good people yeah. um, what i want to say is as much as um andrew has sung the praise that he's got positive feedback on your parents on the show but also got um feedback in terms of people saying teachers are using kids as a pawn in their game what do you have to say about this i just want to clear that you know air in 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 case this particular listener is going to listen to this episode as well um so if i don't know if you know about the student walkout that happened recently yep um that was uh that was high schools right yes um that was well some elementary students also participated in that Um, but that was completely um organized and um, distributed and it completely done by students mm-hmm. and um, you know I know that the ministry and Ford has come out and said that uh, that we as teachers had 
the union. had some kind of yeah the union yeah. had some kind of part in uh, you know influence students mm-hmm. to do this and it's I this is I just it sums up to the point of this tweet the uh, this Twitter thing that I saw <laughs> this tweet that I saw yeah. um, it's like it's funny how they think that we can't even get our kids I mean in in high school setting mm-hmm. we can't even get our kids off their cell phones but yet he thinks that we can get them to protest. Yeah. Like that is, that pretty much sums it up. Like how much power do you think we have over students yeah. when we can't even tell them like the basic, like just be respectful in the classroom. And they think, yet they, like he yeah. thinks for some reason we're selling propaganda or something. The funny thing is in, in about three years time, <laughs> when it comes to re-election, these are the same people that have oh, totally. the right to vote, right? So, yes. yeah. and I feel like he's not doing himself. If oh, he, no. if he's planning to get re-elected, being a more liberal person, central person. I don't, I don't think he's going to make it yeah, out of this just me. because like even his first budgets become ridiculous. Yeah. All the stuff that's being pulled, um, changes that are pretty superficial. I would have to say like license yeah. plate and like yeah. the trillium, the yeah. logo being changed. I'm like, who cares about this trillium flower logo? Who cares about these kind of ideas of like, Oh, Ontario's known as the trillium province. You know, we, we have like a huge competition MLS with uh, Columbus, uh, Ohio, because they're a trillium state as well. Yeah. Anyway, so it's, it's off topic. But in terms of like making changes in that tailgate, you know, drinking yeah. outdoors, I'm like, what are these stuff doing? Like, I, I get it. Like, I, I have to drink a lot more now that he's in government. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to drink it everywhere. But that's what the like online, I see a lot of people saying. Like, he wants everyone to be uneducated and drunk and just, just ill-informed, like, so that he can win the next election, right? Like, he just... But you're right. I think that going back to the students, just the fact that he undermined the students' ability to get organized and to take a stand for what they believe in and to um, to protest in peaceful, very peaceful way. Um, just the fact that he undermined them, I think, is enough to anger a lot of our youth today because they're a completely different generation, like... They have social media on their side and they have, they understand that their words matter and that this is not new to Ontario. We're not the first, you know, like, uh, you know, place to start having student protests. There's, you know, lots of protests across the world and it's just, you youth know that they have power in their voice and for him to undermine them this way is definitely, he's chopping off his own, his own foot here. Like he's just yeah. not smart because they're going to become, like you said, in a few years, they're going to become voting age and they're, you know, they're going to be. They're mm-hmm. going to be the ones making decisions for our community. So mm-hmm. you, you see a lot of parallels between the way uh, Doug Ford handled this, this student protest, the student walkout situation. And everyone thinks of Doug Ford as like a Trump light. He's like mini, a Trump. He's like a mini Trump. Trump. Yeah. yeah. Right. You see the, um, the Parkland, um, Parkland High School in Florida. The mm-hmm. student organized a big movement, a big rally yeah. and a big march. It's the same kind of mentality around this conservative mindset where there's a lot of people who are Trump supporters or uh, Republican supporters that are really angry at those kids. Yeah. Like undermining the kids and and thinking that those kids had some secret hidden agenda on behalf of like the Democrats. The Democrats Mm -hmm. put them up to it, for example. That you're seeing a lot of parallels now between the conservative movement in the states Mm -hmm. and who's leading that up and then... The conservative movement that's sweeping across Canada right now, because yeah. now we've got Doug Ford as the premier, conservative mm-hmm. premier. Jason Kenney just won in Alberta. Yeah. Well, we have a federal coming up, so... And all of the premiers are kind of ganging up now against Trudeau. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, that's probably another topic for another day, mm-hmm. right? But you are seeing parallels in the whole the whole mindset, right? It's just, we've seen this before. Yeah, we've seen this happen before, and the result down south was not good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the last couple of years have been swinging hard left. I would probably say, in terms of like social media, you got Trudeau, who's like the poster boy of liberalism. You know, just out there agreeing—not agreeing, but in terms of like champion the liberal views. And you're gonna have a lot of people that get get angry. In terms of being angry with him in in certain situation, I'm not well versed in the S N C or Lavalan thing going mm-hmm. on, so I'm not gonna comment on that. But you know, from what I understand in politics, most of the time, what the opposition are saying or are shitting on the current government 
they would do exactly the same thing if they were in position. It's just it's all it's all a game to try and get public opinion on their side. So, but anyways, I think we're really off topic. <laughs> we should probably stick back to this well, whole education. Kind of, kind of off topic. Um, we touched on like the general sentiment of you know student walkouts, the student organization. We haven't touched on any of the reasons why yeah. they're walking out yet. Mm-hmm. So like one of the biggest reasons that um, right now that that's happening is they're going to be uh, increasing class sizes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, right now, I think class sizes are at 22. No. Average, right? I need to, yes. Thank you for pointing that out. The difference between yeah. class average and class cap. Average is you, um, like the mean number. <laughs> you know, uh, I use my math yeah. right. The mean yeah. number in these classes. Um, but the cap can, there is no cap currently. Mm-hmm. So if you have a librarian or um, a guidance counselor, they mm-hmm. count as an adult in the school. Mm-hmm. So even though they have zero students in their classroom, mm-hmm. that counts to the ratio. So you have some classes that are zero, and then you have classes that are 40. Yeah. And then that's how you get wow. that that average number of 26. So that math is ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty crafty, actually. And there's yeah. still a lot of classes that are over 40. And, and yet you still have these other classes that are specialized, where they have special needs, right? Mm-hmm. And they're going to have six, and they're going to have 11. And... You know, you're going to have classes that are 40, and in the end, on paper, it's all going to be averaged out. Yeah. So it all sounds great, but really, like, I think I, again, I don't have it sourced right now, but um, I saw a uh, tweet recently, mm-hmm. um, and they were saying how we have the highest, like, based on the projected numbers, we have the highest average um, number of students in a class, like, in all of Canada. So when he goes out and says, oh, we're, we're going to have, we're just on par with everyone, no, mm-hmm. we have higher than everyone. Yeah, I think just... Um... Common sense wise, what you're stating probably doesn't need to be sourced just yeah. because Ontario is probably most is the most populated province yeah. of the entire uh, Canada. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we're, we're probably mostly looking at the more um, metropolitan areas such exactly. as the GTA area. And that's really what we're affected because if you look at it, school boards out in the more rural areas, they're not going to be affected as Actually, much, right? They're going to be affected the most. Well, Peel, right? That, that's why I've been hearing uh, recently that yeah. they've been a lot of cuts, yeah, job cuts, and a lot of like um, classes becoming like just moving, like not oh, this school doesn't have enough classes. You're going to have to go to another school to take yeah. these classes. Like mm-hmm. it's just if there's not enough people, then they're going to push them to travel farther to go to school mm-hmm. or you know so that we can meet these ca- you know class yeah. caps. So being like averages, sorry. I, I guess because we're all against Doug Ford I'll just play the devil's advocate not that I like Doug Ford anyways but they're saying the reason for this class increase it will help them deal with resiliency (laughs) which is you know like because they're saying it's not just in the the workplace they're saying a lot of these students are graduating out of high school and they're going to universities and University mm-hmm. classes, or you're looking at maybe 50 to maybe close to even 100 per uh, professor, and a lot of these mm-hmm. students are not able to cope with it, and they're saying this this will help mm-hmm. them. I'm not sure yeah. how that's going to happen. This, <laughs> this kind of ties back to one of our recent episodes as well, where we talked about like the whole suicide thing. In, oh uh, yeah, in university. So, I mean, it, it somewhat makes sense. The argument somewhat mm-hmm. makes sense. That, you know, students do need some skills to cope. Yeah. The way that they're trying to push it doesn't make sense. The the dots don't connect on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's just my opinion. If that's the reason why they're they're doing it, it seems like a very ill-advised or ill-thought-out plan, right? Oh, why don't we increase this? So within these four years, I, I'm starting to think maybe the fact that these students aren't getting enough resources within the high school to help them adapt in later in, in post secondary seems to be more of the case, not because oh well, you know, They're now you're going to a bigger class, yeah, yeah, small class, right? And it doesn't really apply to everything if you think about it. Because once you eventually specialize down the field within a post secondary education, by the time you hit third, fourth year, you're looking at class sizes at twelve mm-hmm. or even fifteen, right? Because you're specializing it and you're doing more advanced courses and core subjects that you're actually wanting to pursue in your life. So going back to this, there's sort of two points that I want to make. Um, the first one is with the whole uh, increase of class averages, a lot of um, courses, specialty courses, like mm-hmm. trades and the arts, and even classes that need to be um, like prerequisites for post-secondary are 
on the chopping board. Like if not enough students enroll, they're not going to have it open. Mm. So then these students are left to go find, you know, to you know take summer school or to have to, uh, to go to another school to make up these courses. So that's one concern uh, with with post secondary, um, but also with the the class size bit. Um, I think kids who end up in university, the kids who are smart and who make it are going to be fine. They're mm-hmm. always going to be the ones who are going to be fine, right? And it's it's the ones that need, have special needs or the ones who need a bit more attention. They're the ones who are going to suffer. The average kids are going to suffer. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are not going to make the cut. You're, they're just creating a bigger divide between those who are, um, who, the haves and have-nots. Can I yeah, interject who, and yeah. ask you, in terms of your point of view in university, do you think university is for everyone? I'm going to say no. And I, I think that there's value in every job, in every form of education. I think that um, not everyone is made to go to university, but not everyone is made to go to college either. Yeah. There are some, you know, like multiple intelligence wise, mm-hmm. there's some people who are better at, but there's more book smart. Some people are better with their hands. Like yeah. you're not going to make a student who is like exceptional in art, you know, go learn physics. Like it yeah. doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense. Everyone's skill set is different. And that's, you know, in a classroom, you have to acknowledge this and you have to teach towards these differences. And yeah. when you have more students in your classroom, you're just creating, then you're making it hard for the teacher to be able to individualize this for the students in the class. So I think it's a very complicated thing, but at the same time, I don't think that, you know, university is be all end all. Um, but I think that there's, you know, a space for everyone in this world and they have to find what they're, what they're good at. Like there are a lot of, you know, great success stories where you drop out of high school and you, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, but that's because you find out what you're good at and you, whatever you, you know, take the time to pursue and you learn your craft, whatever you get better at is what you, you know, become an yeah. expert in, right? So you don't necessarily need to go to university um, mm-hmm. and there's trades and other things that you could go into too. And yeah. if we all think that the, the best and the most respectable is going to be going to post-secondary, then, you know, like, I'm sorry, but the, there's things in this in our community that we need, like, um, that don't need as much education. And what's the point of pushing our children to attain these things when they're not? Yeah, I wouldn't say like, using the word education in terms of just purely book smart or yeah. on the academic side because there are people that aren't doing white collar jobs that are just as smart yes, in their exactly. own ways, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a good message actually to send out to, I don't think there's any kids listening. <laughs> so, it's a good message to send out that, you know, you don't necessarily have to go through those, those university or college streams in order to be happy in life, make a good living for yourself. Just, just be happy, right? Um, hell, if you don't graduate, you know, college, you could become premier of Ontario. Right? <laughs> there's, there, there is, there's hope for everyone. Yes. Yeah, that's true. So, in terms of this whole situation with Doug Ford and his government saying, with the proposed cuts or proposed changes with class sizes, it's not going to affect, there's not going to be any layoffs. He said, your take. no teacher will voluntarily lose their job. I don't really know what that means. Yeah. To voluntarily lose your job. Because they're saying yeah. like a lot of these jobs or reduction is going to be due to retirement and um, what's the other one? That's all I can attrition, think of. Attrition, right? Yeah. Attrition? Yeah. yeah. So, what is attrition? I looked it up, and it sounds like it's a force. <laughs> you forcibly people who retire early, right? People who choose to leave the field. Like, sounds like you're not choosing to leave the field. <laughs> sounds like you're getting pushed out of the field. Yeah, going. I think that um, that's so officially on paper. You don't become unemployed, mm-hmm. right? You just get pushed off a contract position. So. Basically, if you have a contract, like, for example, if you, it's based on seniority, right? So, you know, uh, last person in is the first person out kind of mm-hmm. thing. So if you recently got a contract in the last year or two, you're probably, uh, you'll probably be surplused. So, for example, in a school that I know, there's 7.5 teaching positions that are uh, on, like potentially going to get cut. Because we don't know at the current, um, you know, right now, uh, what how many teachers are allocated for the school. Mm-hmm. So 7.5 teachers are, are possibly going to uh, be surplus. So in just your one school? In this, mm-hmm. in this one school that I have. Holy it's a K-8 to eight school, so it's mm-hmm. a very big school. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of... And with you think of a big school um, in grades 4 to 8 getting um, increased student by 1. Mm-hmm. That's like that's mm-hmm. a lot, right? Um, but anyway, um, 
what was I gonna say? Uh, so with um, the the changes of the numbers of teachers, I don't remember. <laughs> Sorry, give me a second. <laughs> what was your question? You distracted me that I forgot. So I was sorry. honestly thinking, as I was chewing my gummy, is this going to make it on the podcast? <laughs> I chew it. <laughs> Maybe that's what you're like. Oh my gosh, what was I going to say? What, would, was, what did you ask me? Um, attrition. like Right, teachers losing jobs. Okay, yeah. so right. So if they don't, if they get surplus, then they get placed to other schools that might need it. But if you think about it, chances are every school is going to lose a teacher or two, right? So where are they going? There's just no positions, right? Like, minimum, like, if you think about even if it's yeah. just one teacher, they're not going to have available positions open. Again, devil's advocate coming in, do you think these surplus notices that are being issued out at the moment right now by all the different schools is just um, just to shove it in Doug Ford's face? No, it's because um, on our union contract, we, mm -hmm. are, uh, we have, the, I guess, the right to be told... Uh, whether or not we have a job for next year yeah like based on timeline because there's there's like a whole like list of things that need to happen if you do get surplus then there's a there's a list of jobs that that of other schools that might need someone so that so the contract teachers that get surplus get first dibs on those schools basically yeah so they get to choose right and then if you apply and you don't get in and you're and you are a contract teacher then you get placed in a school that couldn't hire someone mm -hmm. and even after you get placed there's still jobs then they go then those postings come out to LTOs so okay. long-term occasional teachers mm -hmm. that get to apply, right? Right. So back to those teachers who get pushed out of schools to get surplus, chances are they're not going to get, they're not going to fill a vacancy mm -hmm. in any school. Yeah. They're probably going to end up covering an like a maternity leave or yeah. a mm -hmm. sick leave. That's a full year. Mm -hmm. So that in turn trickles down to all the occasional teachers, mm -hmm. supply teachers who no longer have opportunity to work long-term occasional, mm -hmm. like me, for example. Yeah. Like I am an occasional teacher who um, is doing, have been doing LTOs mm -hmm. for the past several years. Um, and it's, it's like, I don't know what's going to happen next year yeah. because I don't think that there's going to be full year LTO. So I'm going to go back instead of doing LTOs, I'm going to end up doing daily supply work and going back to, I don't want to complain because this is not, I knew getting into this field that it was going to be hard. Like I knew that I wasn't going to get contract and mm -hmm. there are people who waited 10 years to get a contract and I'm only at four. Yeah. So I'm okay with that. I understand that I have to put the time in and you know, right now it sucks, but I'm just going to, you know, my job will always be here. Yeah. Like if I choose to teach, I can go anywhere, like basically, and I and I my teaching degree in Ontario will like it. It is a very privileged um, degree to have, right? Yeah. Did you hear about how BC has yes, has been they're calling yeah, exactly. for all the Ontario surplus to go over? Yeah, they're like, what's it called when they're like trying to like uh, take poach the poaching mm, teachers over yeah, there because they have a shortage over yes. there, right? So yeah, and so like that that's fine, but I'm like I just mean like. When we talk about education, I genuinely don't think that teachers are worried about their job. Like a lot, a lot of teachers, like we're 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 parents too. We're worried about our kids. Yeah, I have to feel like that's something that needs to be mentioned here, because again, some viewers or some listeners will always say, "Well, the teachers are always using the kids." They have to realize if you're in the field of teaching, most likely you will be a parent or you are a parent already. Mm -hmm. Why do you want to see your kids go through the same shit? Exactly. And that's that's me right now. Because, like, my son, I almost <laughs> said his name. My son is, uh, like, he's three. So yeah. he's going to start school in 2020. Mm -hmm. Which is, like, I know that like full-day kindergarten is, you know, it's not being touched at the current moment. But, like, there's no promises beyond the next year. Yeah. And so I am worried about his schooling. And if I think about this government being in power for the next four years mm -hmm. and what if they get reelected my son is going to be like he most of his life in education is going to be this really crappy situation like look like, what happened to us we grew up through mike harris's days so yeah. we're we're here doing this podcast yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my concern right like the kids, the, my, my friends' kids and the kids around in my neighborhood and the kids that I see at school. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they're the ones who are really going to suffer. Like I said, I'm not worried about my job. I, I knew what I was going to get into and I know that there's no money mm -hmm. in, in education. Like, we fund a lot of our classrooms. I know that your wife has also uh, talked to me. She said that she was surprised that um, we, we spend a lot of our own money out of pocket to supplement what's missing in the classrooms. And I'll just go into this now since you're all listening. But like, let me pour myself a why, drink. Why are you tell me I got? Why, <laughs> why would we be listening? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just mean like a lot of people don't know that like 
for example, I'm not speaking for every school board as well. I'm speaking for the schools that I've been to mm-hmm. and the, for TDSB. I've been to three schools now where we get like $400 a year to spend on the classroom. And you think, whoa, $400 is a lot. No, that's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about $200 of that usually goes towards back to school. So yeah. all your pencil crayons, pencils, scissors, um, rulers, uh, all your bags that the kids get. Dude, I feel bad for taking a TI-83 calculator back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> but all that stuff, right? It, it adds up, right? And Holy that's crap. half the budget already. And then if you run out of any supplies, that's the rest. Like, you have $200 for the rest of the year. Yeah. And that's if you're lucky. Like, if some schools don't do that. Some schools just order for the whole, um, whatever, yeah. the whole um, grade. And you have to just pick whatever's in the, available in the, in the stock room. Um, but on top of that, some schools that I've been to, two out of the three, we have to supply our own. Not supply room, but that budget counts towards tissue paper and paper towels. So that's a whole chunk of money just on tissue and paper towels. Like, so a lot of teachers might ask like parents for donations. Can we please have a tissue box? You know, because mm. that will save money from our budget, right? But it's just there's just no money going into, um, you know, funding the classroom. And if you think about all the extra things, like you know, if they're if you're the kids are really into puzzles and you mm-hmm. want to have a puzzle out, like I'm bringing my own child's puzzles to my yeah. my my. my class i feel like this needs to be actually front and center in terms of i had no idea about this yeah exactly and even my husband he's like why are you spending so much money and i'm it took me years to like tell him i'm not the only one he thinks it's just me like why do you spend like why do you every time i buy my son a present i'm always thinking oh can i use this in my my kindergarten classroom yeah that's constantly what i'm what i'm doing right i'm trying to save money but also know oh great i could use this later Mm -hmm. or no i'm gonna save this i'm gonna hoard this like you know it's just constant it it never used to be that way i mean remember when we were in school they used to supply us all those notebooks the yellow the yellow rulers everyone gets one those those blue and like red pencils yeah yeah the the ones that said scarborough education on it yeah i do hear a lot of teachers say oh the good old days i do hear that a lot like i think that went like before they had um, joined all the schools together. The G- and, like, oh, wait, like the whole municipality? Yeah. Oh, when really? it was like just a scrubber board, they had a lot more money in terms of funding for, like even just the staff talking about PDs, mm-hmm. like professional development, they had a lot more of that. Yeah. And how great, right? They had like, um, and I'm not saying that this is a good thing because I do think it's a little bit of waste of money, but they had like um, parties for the staff. It was just a different morale. People, the morale is up. You know, mm-hmm. people were happy. People were free to do what they wanted. But at the same time, I do think that it was good that the ministry came in. Now we have a curriculum to follow and that it's standardized. And so that if you go to school here or downtown, you're getting the same quality education. I do think that there's some good and, you know, bad. And I think that, you know, you, again, with the whole budget thing too, I think that, yes, we have to be a little bit more careful about what we're spending money on, but what the government chooses to spend the money on is investing. And like what they're investing in right now is like horse racing and license plate renewing and, mm, and like drinking everywhere. Exactly. Drinking yeah. more, more alcohol. And I just feel like, um, what, like it really, it's a very clear message. What his priorities are. His priorities are super clear. Like I saw, I saw during, um, the budget release or the budget, um, uh, sessions that they mentioned alcohol or mm-hmm. beer 46 times and education was only mentioned in the budget 25 times. Mm. That's insane. Yeah, you're basically having a bunch of jocks run <laughs> run the government at this point. It, yeah. Dude, that's, that's crazy. I mean, in terms of a lot of people bitch, a lot of parents bitch, and I'm on these Facebook parents group and you hear all these people bitching, not as much as the, the mom's group, because the guy's <laughs> group, dad's group is pretty chill. We go off There's first. a dad's group? There's a dad's group. We go off for like um, whiskey tasting nights and stuff like that and barbecue and sharpening knives and we, we do cool shit. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. I don't know why the mom's group is not more like that. <laughs> Too much drama, but you yeah, know, I can get into the whole, yeah. you know, females hanging out with each other, don't get along. It just doesn't work out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I feel like if that's the case, I would defend more of a, like fundraising. And now I have an idea of the fundraising that's involved, right? For what? Like for, for say like when my kid gets to grade one. Oh, when the teacher's asking for money and not stuff? Not even asking or, for no. money. Like you can, you, parents should step up because yeah. everyone's yeah. expecting a free handout. And right now at this point, if the government's not helping, this should be taken as a point in time where the people should gather together yeah. and just do something on their own right we don't need a government 
the more we talk about every single time we talk about oh we need less government smaller government and stuff but what are we doing what are we taking on as our own responsibility but i i do caution um saying that because it's not I don't think that it should be up to the parents' responsibility to, to supplement that. Like, not that it should be on our, it shouldn't be our responsibility either. But I feel like the government should be making sure that we have a top-notch, you know, education system. And we do, we do have very competitive, um, you know, scores and stuff like that. And I think that, you know, when they harp on that, like, you know, the math stuff, mm-hmm. like I, like I have stats here. <laughs> I'm just gonna pull it up. Um, based on um, the end of the Harris government, 2003. Um, and compared to the end of Wynn government in 2018, uh, there's a 25% increase of student achieving provincial standards in EQAO. Um, and then in reading, writing, sorry, in reading, it's 25. In writing, it's 17. And math is 4% in grade 3. And then in grade 6, it's up 26% in reading and writing, uh, but mu- um, down 4%. So I get that where, where the numbers are from, but that's the only area that's um, struggling right for now. For math? For math in grade 6. And then grade grade 9 as well and grade no grade 9 it's up 24 um for applied math and up 18 percent in academic math so i don't like they're focusing on the one like negative that we have and saying how you know what a disaster that the situation is mm-hmm. and it's not a disaster and they're 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 honestly like misleading the public right now thinking that we're in a crisis we're not we're doing pretty well actually yeah like, we're still top top five six seven when you in the think world. yeah all things considered, we do have one of the smartest universities in the world. Considered one of the smartest universities Which in the world. Which one is that? Ryerson? <laughs> I, I went to Ryerson. Ryerson. <laughs> I went to Ryerson too. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, take I guess... Uh, you're not talking about Ryerson. <laughs> no. <laughs> we talking about Waterloo. And Waterloo gets... All their new graduates gets poached by all the Silicon Valley giants. Like Apple, Google. They put up tents and they're... Recruiting all these people, you can't be telling me that the Ontario high school students that make it into Waterloo aren't good at math. That, again, it goes back to a point where, you know, not everyone will understand who are, who math, Kids who are right? good at math are always going to be good at math, and they're going to get to where they need to get. Yeah. They're not the ones we're worried about right now, right? We're yeah. closing the gap and helping the students who really need it, like, uh, break the cycle of poverty. Like, that's a huge one. Like, we really don't want to keep... Um, you know, separating that, like the rich continues to get better and the poor continue to, you know, suffer. Like we, we don't want that as a community. We want to help everyone. And I know that's a very socialist way of thinking and I don't want to get into it, but I think that, um, when the odds are stacked against you, like, it's just, it's, it doesn't work when all of us don't help and we don't see, like, it's not fair. Like if you were in that position, you'd want a little bit of help. So I always think that like from a position of where we are, where I would consider us pretty privileged, like we don't have to deal with a lot of um, issues that you know low-income families do and we have to we really have to create that change and I think that's as an educator that's where my heart is it's it's for the those families who really need it the vulnerable students in my class like I'm not fighting for the ones who are going to get private tutors or who ha- can always choose to go to a private school if they want to or have you know educated parents who take their kids to you know great experiences outside of school and who read with them every night and who you know, uh, teach them things um, on a regular. Like, I'm not worried about those kids. I'm worried about the ones who, who don't have that. Yeah, that's a really good point you make. The connection between the social aspect and the results in the classroom sometimes gets ignored. When you have this for government making cuts all, all across the board, you forget about that, you know, that lower income family. You mm-hmm. know, you got parents that are probably working more than one job. Mm-hmm. They're not at home to help their kids with their homework. Yeah. All of a sudden, the kids in school, the class size has increased, mm-hmm. yeah. right? There's less teachers to teach the material. That kid is like double, triple disadvantaged. Exactly. Just because of their kind of their situation that the government's kind of not helping them socially and taking away from education at the same time. They're taking away from both hands. Yeah. And the worst part is those families completely trust the teacher to do all the work. They have complete faith in the education system and that's where it hurts the most because it's like no we really need you to read at home we really need you to to spend that time with the child or you know i really want you to care about you know whatever it might be but they can't they can't afford to so they they give us their most important thing in their entire world and, and we, we we're with them for you know six to eight hours a day and that's what they hope for like from us like you know, i hope you can give my child the future i didn't have and that's that's huge that's why i take my job as an educator very seriously 
that's a lot of expectation kind of dumped upon a teacher. Yeah, it really You've got is. every single little child's future like in your hands, right? And they're making it much, much harder. They're exactly. making it like climbing Mount Everest to have to teach all these kids. Yeah, it makes me sad. And that's that's the part where I'm like, again, not worried about our jobs. We're worried about the kids in our classroom, mm-hmm. the kids we see every day, the kids who are going to suffer because of this. And, and going back to the whole breaking cycle of poverty thing, they're already at a disadvantage and they already, they come to school already not having the same life experience as those who are privileged. And then they go through the system and they just get pushed, pushed along. And then when they come out there, they're the exact same position that their parents are in. So it's just, it just, yeah, I just don't think this is helpful. Like, I'm not worried in a sense that like, like even my own son, like we're at a point where if I really, really am concerned, I could afford to pull him out. But that's, that's a sad part. Like why as a public educator, public school educator, why would I pull my child out of public education? Mm -hmm. Because I have no trust in the system, even though I teach it. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's very sad. And I do hear a lot of teachers, fellow um, colleagues of mine who do have kids in private school. Oh, wow. Like, it's like, or kids who, or like, you know, parents who want to put their kids in private school when they're older because they know that the education system we have is, is, is messed up and -hmm. it's not going to give their kids what they need. And they need to, you know, in order to be competitive in the future, they need to push them along. And that's sort of where I am now. Like with the whole kindergarten situation with not knowing what's going to happen, I'm, I'm probably going to keep Brody in Montessori for, until he's in grade one. Like if, if long, longer possible, I'm hearing a lot of my friends say that now too. Um, and it's just, it's concerning. Like, especially like I get that, a, you know, a rich person might say, okay, yeah, I can afford to, why not? Right. But yeah. if me, like I'm in it, I'm there for the kids. And even I don't believe that it's, you know, there's just a lot of concerns. And with the whole overcrowding classrooms and having different needs and not providing the amount of support that these students need, even the kids who are the average, the ones who are doing really well, they're going to suffer too. It's their wasted time as well. There's no teaching happening if, you know, there's one student in the classroom who, you know, who might be on the spectrum, who might not be coping well with that, with the school environment and overcrowded, underfunded classrooms. And it's like, it really makes it hard for them. And then when you're dealing with the safety of that one student who's not being able to cope, you can no longer help everyone else. Because right now your concern is safety. Mm-hmm. You know, and when your focus That's is that, you, you, know, you, can't, you can't teach. So it's just, it's just very complicated. And I'm sort of dumped this on yeah. you guys tonight because that's not what you wanted to open up. But those are the no, realities. No, this is exactly what we were... No, not that we're trying to fish out of you, but... <laughs> How dare you share your feelings with us? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's just... So, where is all this distrust in the system from? So, we know Doug Ford is very, you know, uh, what's, I don't know the word I'm looking for. He just kind of is going off of, like, emotions, trying to, like, get people against. He always tries to build, like, an enemy. Mm -hmm. Now he's trying to, like, dump on the teachers, saying the teachers are doing an inadequate job. He did it with with the sex ed curriculum. He's doing it again with now math. Mm-hmm. So he says students are, are really not doing good at math. They're not doing good at math. So I'm going to make t- all teachers take a mandatory uh, math test. It's not a law yet. So he hasn't put it into legislation, but this is what they've been thinking about. I'm going to make all teachers, regardless of whether they actually teach math, they're mm-hmm. going to have to, they're going to have to take a, a mandatory math test in order to, uh, to keep being a teacher. It, it's, that's insane. To me, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. I think about yeah. some of the teachers we had, like, like the shit that gym teacher. Yeah, like, yeah. There's no need for him to teach math. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. And a lot of it is the money wasted, like the amount of time it takes to pay someone to write this damn math, math hmm. test, and then to like make teachers take it. You know, like and if they say and then pay someone to mark it, like okay, fine. If you want to cut cut corners, you can do an online test. Who's to stop us from sitting in a room, log onto our laptops, and give each other the answers? Like, and then if you say, okay, computer's going to market, this is, they're still putting money yeah. into this private organization to do this. Like, I just feel like it's just money being washed down the drain. Does he own that private co- corporation? Probably. Or he knows a friend who does and who's giving him, you know. It's, it's pretty sick because he's printing these stickers that go on the gas pumps because of the carbon tax. Exactly. And we know that his, like, family business is a labeling company. Like, <laughs> someone needs to really look into that. He said it's That's only going to cost five grand. But what about the design of the stickers? The printing, distribution, yeah. like enforcement of the stickers, like yeah. yeah, 
And now, said, this just, very short-term vision. I'm so, yes. Yeah, I'm so sick of the whole... Is that, is that the term bipartisan? Of yes. How everyone's just taking one side or the other? Yeah. It's just... You know, speaking of taking one side or the other, this is the first time, like our union recently had, an, or we had a union meeting, um, it recently said that for the first time in like the history of like, uh, like these like strike talks, not mm-hmm. that we're going on strike. I don't want to say that. No, we're not going on strike. I don't want to say that. But the potential of like, you know, fighting for our own <laughs> education. Breaking news. <laughs> no, no. Um, but like, just, just like. just viral. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like, um, um, but like, like just talking about protecting our education and the public education. Um, so now I forgot what I was going to say. No, no, oh right, separating. This is the first time that school boards are on board with us. Like mm-hmm. even they're like, what are we going to? How can we even run a school with the amount of the little amount of money that you've given us? Yeah. Like even the school boards are concerned. Yeah. They're not, they're on our side. Like we are fighting together for education. That says a lot. Like when mm-hmm. you have the employer and the employees like you know band together to say this is not right. Like that's a big red flag. Yeah, I'm just wondering where he came up with this idea. The whole point of doing all this, like class increases, I understand that he has a deficit. He has to kind of pull a rain, rain in. But from what I read, all the savings that you're making in terms of making all these cuts, you're only looking at around 290 million. It's nothing to laugh at, but when you're looking at a deficit of 13 billion, that is nothing. That's like uh, pennies, mm-hmm. pennies to the dollar. So, versus he- what you're saying, it's gonna affect. Further down the line, it's yeah. not well. As what Andrew was saying, it's such short-term thinking mm-hmm. that all these kids eventually, when when they have the right education and the right level and the right attention, that they can make more money in the future once mm-hmm. they graduate. On top of that, they're also implementing the whole university funding, which is related to employment rate and how much money you make. Mm-hmm. How are you going to get that information? That's crazy. Yeah. It's it's pretty it's pretty uh, short sighted the way that you know the impact of this hasn't really been considered at all and the effect on society that this has not only parents students teachers school boards administrators you also have people who are currently in the education um, in post secondary starting to become teachers mm-hmm. right so they're um, in university studying to become teachers there's no way they have a sniff at any sort of career yeah while this government is in power yeah. it just no. doesn't it doesn't it's not going to happen then you go even further back now students that are in high school or students that are in university and want to become teachers now they're going to have a second thought they're going to say why would i enter this profession knowing all the bullshit that's going to be going down while it's governments in power, they're going to choose another stream. Yeah, down the road now, when you know there's teachers being lost to attrition, there's teachers that are retiring or whatever. You're going to have a shortage, mm-hmm. right? When this government is like out of power, hopefully, and now you have a new government and you want to repair some of the damage that they've done, you're not going to have enough teachers to do it. Yeah, unless you're going back to like BC and bringing them back in, but there there will be like a shortfall, right? Because mm-hmm. again. It's like a perfect storm because when you look at it, all the baby boomers right now are what entering their 60, 65, so they're most likely starting to retire already. And as you're saying, that they're going to start affecting the choices that all these students entering in, into university are going to make, then it's going to even cost double, mm-hmm. double the case. But man, fuck. This is so grim. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Sitting in the union meeting, I was pretty sad thinking about this. But I feel the way you presented your argument here does show that, at least for you, not saying for everyone, because obviously there's some older people that are about on their way out. They probably don't even care. You know what? I, I do want to argue. Like, There are a lot of teachers who are almost on their way out who no longer care. And like, you know, I, there are always going to be people like that in every profession. Mm-hmm. Where they're going to kind of suck. I'm sorry to say this, but they're just, there are teachers that suck. Like even mm-hmm. growing up, we've had a few of for our own like education right um but there are also teachers who are very close to retirement who continue to fight for the kids and who continue to work really hard to learn about new teaching and who you know strive to make a difference and they want to adapt and like i I know there's an amazing teacher i'm not going to say her by name just because i don't know if she wants to be um here i talked about um but she's like 60 something like but she's 
you know, she's learning more about um, early uh, early years, and she's reading a lot of new um, research and science that you know talks about like you know how students are learning or how how to get that higher thinking, mm-hmm. how to get the literacy, how to get the math, all that stuff. And even at sixty, she's completely changed the way she teaches. She went from like photocopying you know, black and white paper to creating um, inquiry centers. And I know this is a whole different ballgame that you don't want to get into, but for other educators who are listening or potentially whatever interested, um, there's a new wave of like learning where we really want students to learn through play and through inquiry. And for a 60 year old, I'm sorry, but like to completely revamp the way you see education and the way you approach education, that's really admirable. So there's, there are, you know, teachers out there who are nearing retirement, who don't give up, who, who are still fighting for the kids and are still fighting to, to teach the kids in their care. So I, you know, I don't want to lump them all together. Yeah, no, I agree. Because it's overgeneralization most of the time where everyone just assume teachers are just greedy and they're just using kids to mm-hmm. uh, as, as pawn. And yeah. I don't agree for a second with them. Yeah. It, it just so happens that you know being an education that's related to kids yeah and unfortunately the other opposition team that want to make it sound or kind of discredit what you're fighting for is going to say well think about the children well you're the one that put us in that situation where we have to go fight tooth and nail yeah and if it means we have to go to the last resource this is what it is it's a strike yeah well like yeah like i was talking or thinking about um losing stuff too and in the end they always blame the teachers like even if we we you know what we're like we're we're not gonna we're do work to run a few couple of years ago you guys know what work to rule is work to rule is like you still have schools open but we no longer um do extracurricular before, yeah, extracurricular mm-hmm. we don't do any clubs we don't mm-hmm. do anything above and beyond mm-hmm. what's what we're legally required to do yeah um that doesn't make us happy either yeah like, i'll tell you one thing that the morale of the school is horrible there's no commu- sense of community in the classroom there's no um and like even the community that i teach at right now I think they said they did a, like a status, um, like some questionnaire they did with the students. I think they said over 65% of the students in my classroom do nothing outside of school. No extra cooking, no sports, no no clubs, no anything that's like socially because they can't afford to. We grew up in that, that whole era in, yeah, in, had, in high school. That. We had that too. Yeah. yeah, we didn't have a single sports club or like sports team when we went to high school. So... Mm-hmm. Essentially, we weren't even trying out until we were grade 11. Mm-hmm. And even then, it's varsity. You're, you're facing OAC people. And it's just like the... Especially during when you're teenage years, right? And the d- discrepancy between a 14-year-old and a 18-year-old, 19-year-old is huge. And if you want to build interest in certain sports or whatever, you want them to start early and have their... Exactly. Facing people in their own own age group versus mm-hmm. facing older people and you get discouraged because you're getting your ass whooped yeah so that's i totally get where where we're coming from from that sense and but they like the point is that they still blame teachers even after that like they still blame teachers for why aren't these kids getting any exercise why 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 don't we have band anymore why can't you use your lunch break to, to do a band club you know it's like it doesn't work that way you can't you can't you know blame us take everything away from us and then when we say okay fine we're just gonna do what you, you, you pay us to do yeah. and they get mad at us for not going above and beyond. Like, I just feel like a lot of the things like, you know, parent-teacher interviews or report cards that we use a lot of our own personal time, which I, I don't want to, like, it's not like a whole, you know, like, I'm a uh, wine fest, but like, I know every job you take, you take, you take work home, right? And you, you do other stuff or you, you know, there's, there's a lot of additional work on top of, you know, just doing your job, your daily eight to five, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but with teachers, it's like, it's almost like a given. Like, you just expect teachers to do it. But really, you're taking for granted that a lot of teachers... We have families, too. Yeah. Like, we don't need to stay after school. Like, you, we... Like, we... Or we don't want to do... Um, like, for example, there's, there's a, my, one of my coworkers. She's doing a play right now. So she literally uses every lunch period to practice with one of the groups of um, kids mm-hmm. to practice. And she stays after school every day until 4.30. And then she's committing two days um, a night next week to, to do the performances. And just... A lot of money that goes into, you know, purchasing the rights to the play, um, reading over the script, you know, doing auditions, all that stuff that comes that is above and beyond our job description, right? Mm-hmm. We don't ever need to do this, but she loves she loves what she does, and she sees the kids on stage, and she sees how, you know, they can see like they shine, they absolutely shine. So she doesn't want to take that away from them. But just to imagine in this community community who, like, they look forward to this once a year, 
And if they, if we can end up going with works rule, they won't have it next year. And who's going to get blamed? The teachers. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? Well, you're not giving us money to do anything. Yeah. And a lot of like, when I go back to like the money that we spend in our classroom, um, a lot of teachers say like, like, stop spending your own money. Like when, when you do this, everyone's going to think it's okay. Mm-hmm. As in like, well, look at the classrooms. They look great. Yeah. Or look, look, you have, you know, you have an Osmo. I brought my, my, my son's Osmo to school to use. Like, that's like, like I do that all the time. Like I bring my own. Yes. Yeah, sorry. What is an Osmo? Oh, sorry. It's like a, <laughs> it's like an iPad attachment game. It's like a interactive iPad game that you mm-hmm. can play. Um, it's like a learning. It's for learning. Did you know game. this? I was thinking <laughs> Osmo, <laughs> DJI, like, camera, because I'm looking into one myself. And I was just like, damn, you guys are like, are you allowed to record kids? Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking around the room and all the parents, and I don't know what an Osmo is. I didn't want to say sorry. anything. I had no idea. Yeah, I'm, sorry, like, sorry. I'm like one of those students in school. I'm too shy to ask a question. <laughs> no, you so, did. Uh, yeah. You did. Yeah, that's good. But yeah, sorry. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say. But... Shit. yeah but you get my point yeah yeah man damn i don't know like it can't get any better because we still have three years of this i know that's the scary part this is just the beginning and it's not just and i don't want to focus just on education like he's doing a lot of cuts to everything else like health um uh with um if you have private um insurance Mm -hmm. then you're no longer qualified for uh, all oh, the drug drug yeah. plan thing going on and a lot of kids who have like really expensive drugs just to survive mm-hmm. are no longer qualified for like that even that 20 percent. if you people don't usually have a couple thousand dollars every month just lying around to pay for this right yeah and it just there i just feel like there needs to be exceptions yes we shouldn't be just like you know buying whatever drugs we want and like you know getting antibiotics when there's like a you know whatever like we should we should really just be not using so much um, medica- like stop over medicating our kids. I do think mm-hmm. that, um, but at the same time, for kids who really need it for survival purposes, like it shouldn't be such a black and white issue. There should be exceptions. Yeah, Lord knows there's other solutions to get rid of a Ford brother. <laughs> I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna say it out there because people are gonna say that's too extreme. But oh, that that those black market, not those pharmacists. Yeah, but yeah, like. Again, it, it, like you highlighted, there's not just the teacher side, but there are other, there's a lot of inefficiency within the government itself, mm-hmm. just from my profession and people that I know that work in the government and they do the books for them. If they only got half of that shit right, then they can probably find enough savings there to not have to cut anything. For sure. Because right now, it's just... When you're cutting education and healthcare side, look within yourself. How about that fucking gravy train that your brother always talked about internally? Mm-hmm. Why don't you look in there and get a real auditor, a real audit general, and fucking just nail them down and start looking at everything that gets passed along? Because the way that they do their financials, it's complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. If anyone wants to look into it, they can probably stay and start questioning it. And I think we should, but... Me as a CPA myself don't normally do that because it's completely boring. But the way that you dig into it, every the way that they do journal entries, money is just sliding out, and I, it's just that's where the inefficiency is. It's not within the school board. School boards obviously do have some inefficiency in terms of administrative help, but it assists <clears throat> the teachers in in terms of what they have to do, right? Because if you're not overburdened with doing all this other attendance stuff <laughs> and doing photocopies and all that. But in terms of his own government, I know right now they have a hiring freeze. But even then, they hire a lot of ineffective like people mm-hmm. that shouldn't have a position there. Yes, he's and just hiring his old friends. It's not it's even that. Way. It's even even from prior like people that get into government. It's not even overgeneralizing. That's really what they are. They, it's pretty much a retirement plan. Once you get in, if you're like twenty or thirty, if you want to just get a steady paycheck. Just stick in the government and you're good to go. Because no one's got to get let go. People are going on year-long vacation because they've been there for so long. They have enough like days leftovers mm-hmm. that they can just go on a vacation for like maybe a year and a half until their retirement. And we're paying for these salary. These like mm-hmm. six-figure salary. Mm-hmm. Doesn't fucking make any sense. When it can... That one useless person can hire a teacher right there. 
more than one teacher. More than one? Holy. <laughs> well, no, I just, yeah, I, if you're talking about, like, what he should be cutting or what he could cut, a lot of teachers do think that the EQAO is useless. Like, there's no, like, it did what it needed to be, like, needed to be, like, checked. They want to check what, um, like, students, how students are learning. We already have that information. We don't need to continue this. And people are using it as a way to um, figure out pricing for housing. Like, you know, they look, oh, this this school is really good. Then the, then the area mm. there is really expensive. So it's like, it's not used for what it's supposed to be. And I think the, you know, it's apparently it's $35 million a year, the cost of writing it, the cost of paying teachers to market. And then also we're really teaching students to, like we're teaching students to test. We're teaching them how to do the test. And it's such a waste of <clears throat> our resources and our time at school. Um, and it's a you know, waste of a school day, uh, but also like paying teachers to administer. Like it's like two weeks of teachers just sitting there, mm-hmm. like making sure that they can't help them and that there's no anchor charts on the wall and that there's like, you know, you, they, you know, they try their best and whatever, but that's it. Like they're, that, what a waste of resources in grade three, six and nine. Like I just... That's one way to do it. But no, another way people are talking about is the amalgamation of um, Catholic and public school boards, uh, pooling resources together, less people in the head office and, you know, putting like, you know, students uh, maybe in grade three in this in the Catholic school board and then another grade three class putting them together and then you're saving money there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also the head office, like there's a lot of people in head office and I'm not to say that I don't want, I'm not saying like I want to choose one job over the other, but I don't think that cutting teachers who are like in the trenches, who are like really there for the kids is the right way to go. Like whether you choose to cut other positions higher up that make more, um, or for, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't have the answer. I just, there is no answer. Yeah, I know. Cause we're not going to figure this out between three of us. But... <laughs> I thought you were launching your political career just now. Oh wow. You, were, know. you were talking about like all these government inside stuff. Yeah, like, exactly. I thought we were working to witness history. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, Wait till they, they pull up all the, comments, oh, all the comments that you've made over the years. It would be over in one day. <laughs> Before you could even announce it. Yeah. But the government seems to be like all up in the shell game business of like trying to be deceptive, trying to say, this is how we're going to save money. Mm-hmm. We're going to save money by cutting this. We're cutting these teachers. We're going to increase class sizes. We're going to... You know, do the standardized testing for teachers. We're going to do all the standardized testing. We're going to force kids to take online learning, mm-hmm. which is a big one. They're forcing kids four to take courses four are... courses, which is like within like the entire world. It's unheard of. Mm-hmm. Like no other school board has four mandatory online learning. I don't even think I took like four mandatory online learning in post-secondary. Yeah, um, me neither. Like, I don't think I, I did that either. So part of the courses on, was online. Mm-hmm. But like you had most of the course with a lecture lecture in a lab mm-hmm. uh, in university, and apparently there's actually kids that are learning online like right now. I didn't actually know that. So high school kids are actually mm-hmm. taking online courses. It's it an is, option. It is available yeah. to them. But now they're forcing four mandatory, which comes with this whole whole set of problems in itself. Yes. You know, who's going to write the courses? Yeah. Right. Who's going to design all the, the course materials? Mm-hmm. You still need teachers to, you know, be the, um, what do you call it? The administrator of the but online course. But if they don't have a classroom, <clears throat> then they don't have to hire real teachers. They can hire a private company to do all that. Right. But that's going to come at a kind of a premium too. You're yeah. Paying, you're paying this private company. Outside mm-hmm. of, you're yeah. using public money to yeah. pay a private company to do this. Totally. I totally agree. Yeah. It's not, yeah. They're not going to care for the kids. Yeah. Kids, um... They, they may not have the independence to deal with that kind of stuff. They're not learning. They're not going to learn yeah. from it. I'm only generalizing. Some, some kids will be able to thrive off of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some kids exactly. will learn in different ways. They won't be able to yeah. take it. But those are the same kids mm-hmm. that, like, I'm not worried about, right? We're talking about people that, well, like what you said, you, you're worried about people that are disadvantaged you know, and below, you know, poverty yeah. line and all that stuff, right? And I agree. That's probably... Chances are they don't have the resources at home to use yeah. uh, a computer that might be good. And yeah. How about their attention? They've never been able to, you know, talk to, you know, concentrate and focus by themselves. Even up to this point. Like Organize their time. Yeah. Time management is a huge skill. I didn't learn until I was done school. Yeah. it's. But going, like I was on a mommy group lately uh, and I saw this post about, um, like, you know, someone saying, you know, we, we need to be... Uh, upset about this and then someone said well at this day and age who doesn't have internet 
But that was sort of their argument. And I, and I really think that the like our privilege is blinding them because like there are communities outside of GTA that there are like blackout spots like mm-hmm. where they don't get internet because it's just not worth it to put these you know wi- put Wi-Fi mm-hmm. in these areas because there's not enough yeah. people or the community can't afford to. And what about those kids? Like, oh, okay, send them to the library. They can do yeah. the library. It's an hour, like they said, on average, yeah. an hour and 15 minutes of, of time, like uninterrupted time mm-hmm. on the computer. Mm-hmm. How can these libraries support the needs of these high school students like, <laughs> in these rural communities? But on top of that, um, uh, like to, to say like, <clears throat> I forgot, hold on. This is horrible. You are on a roll. I know, this is so bad. I think it's I'm like so nervous. Um, right, so those who can't um, afford it. Oh, right, so that, and they're cutting... Um, funding for libraries like I know most recently there's cutting 50% of the budget so mm-hmm. you're telling me oh no problem we'll just send them to the libraries and then but we're going to take away the money from the libraries so this just whole thing is just doesn't make sense doesn't add up and it's like Fuck what are you trying I'm, to do yeah exactly yeah. it's like everything I care about at my age now is being cut you see yeah. Doug Ford like back in the day a few years ago like getting into a, a war of wars with Margaret, Margaret Atwood yeah about libraries it's all coming full circle now because he's Pushing the online learning. There's kids in Northern Ontario who won't have access to computers and internet. Yeah. They got to go to that library that doesn't exist no more. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and learn. Also, they're looking at pushing some courses that um, most kids will have to take, like those mandatory courses. Yeah. Whatever. Ironically, one of the courses that they're thinking about, like putting online, is grade 10 civics. So, <laughs> yeah. you learn about how government works and stuff. Yeah. He wants to push that online, kind of brush that shit under the rug. Exactly. He's There's no critical thinking. Design that course himself, and like hide all yeah. the like, truth. How did he get in? Who knows? Uh, yeah. Maybe they they just need to re reconsider the whole tax cuts. One percent tax cut for I believe corporations mm-hmm. or business, and they're supposed to attract companies coming in but if you look at it there's actually more companies leaving Ontario since he been elected mm-hmm. than he's brought in the fact is you can't compete against the Trump administration right now when their tax rate is so low mm-hmm. that US companies are going to stay in the US now they're not going to go out into like Canada and, and work there that's that's not how it works anymore and I think he's backwards because he doesn't know and he's uneducated in a sense He's listening to people that are just spewing out these numbers. Oh, yeah, just reduce the tax rate by 1%. This 1% is actually affecting a lot more people than it is affecting these corporations. And I always say to, like, Andrew, corporations are pretty much the root of all evil. The the very existence of them is the whole idea of making them a legal entity but Mm -hmm. without any legal responsibilities is crazy. All the rights of a person, but none of the responsibilities of a person. Yeah. Mm. I should just legalize myself. I should just incorporate myself. (laughs) And then all the cuts to, like, environmental issues. Like, all the... It's just scary. Like, allowing people to ruin, like, what makes us Canadian. Like, what makes us Canada. All our natural resources. And I just... It just makes me so sad. And it's to the point where I'm, like... It's not even about education anymore. It's about our, literally, our Canada, like, Ontario. It's like, we're falling apart. Like, it's just taking away so much, and it's not, like, I'm worried for our future. Like, and I know there's going to be a lot to, like, have to go backtrack on. Like, even if someone else comes back, you know, into power, like, it's going to take a lot to bring us back to where we are right in this moment because he's bringing us so far back. It's going to take a lot just to get us back to where we are here. And that's scary. I think coming full circle on our, on our discussion, like thinking about this whole, like, and I don't think anyone's denying that, you know, climate change is real. So thank God we at least have that. No one's saying climate change is fake. No one's saying like earth is flat or anything. You mean in this room or people in general? Because there are people who say <laughs> No, like people that. in general, <laughs> yes. Our elected, our elected officials, no, they're, they're not right now. But we have that conservative wave moving across Canada. And I think the whole carbon tax thing is another issue altogether. I don't completely understand uh, how a carbon tax works, mm-hmm. what the alternative solutions are. But you have this whole popularism now, this populist governments across Canada. Now, Ontario, Alberta, Saskatchewan, um, probably some out in the east too that are electing conservatives. You have a whole kind of wave of people that are 
rallying people against these environmental causes without a solution of their own mm-hmm. it's not gonna it's not gonna help us move forward mm-hmm. it's only gonna gonna make us like stay like directly in the past again we're going in this like whole trump movement where he's talking about like we need to bring back coal mines we need to bring like clean coal whatever yeah. the hell that is but the crazy thing is at least in trump there's states that he can't touch california new york mm-hmm. and such there's states that are pretty much pushing for in terms of understanding doing passing laws and reg- legislation to make sure um, they reduce their carbon footprint or reduce like waste um, but in Canada it's it's going the opposite way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's crazy to, in terms of understanding that you know we have nowhere to, to put our damn garbage why are we not looking in a solution to reduce you know plastic styrofoam all these different different usage or tax okay. them right yeah. like make it yeah it's just the way that we're looking we're, we're pretty fucked but again you can't trust it's funny because they're the same government that always says like oh we're trying to reduce the size of government government's too big but yet they're doing all this stuff that isn't really helping their cause it's not really true to what their party platform is Man, fuck up. When did this turn into political pockets? <laughs> it actually always has been under the surface. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but hopefully there's three years. That's all I have to say. Like <laughs> Trump almost two years done, a year and a half, and he might get reelected. But I'm not putting it in well. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. Yeah, we, can't, we can't hide our head in the sand for that one. But Doug Ford's another three years. Hopefully, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. Hopefully Trudeau wins. <laughs> I know. I just don't think his pub, like, public opinion is very good right now on him. Like, it's uh, just, public um, opinion don't matter with these kids. All mm-hmm. these kids, all he needs are these kids to come out and vote. Yeah. Yes, that's very Just show off point. his yes. chiseled body and it's done. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> I'd like to thank Miss C on coming back on this pod. Thank you for having me. You're really passionate, and I think our listeners gonna gonna hear it. <laughs> Thank you. They're gonna, I lo- that. they're gonna love this one. I think they just got a new favor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much pressure. No, the pressure's over. Yeah, it's over. True. <laughs> All right, signing off. Peace. Bye. You're not gonna say bye. Oh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you guys were doing like a host thing. <laughs>